Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. I guess it's the first episode in this new revamped lineup of the program. Nothing new to report here, though, folks. It's still... Uh, Haley Salvi and Sean Gentili and Max Boltman, you're stuck with us for now. Sean. Forever, actually. Sean, Mac- I think we need you to rank your favorite co-hosts now. There's another in the mix for you. So one through three. Just is this is this all time or? No, no, no. Between your, your current co-hosts, me, Haley, and Mac and Do. We need a one through three. All I'll say is if it were an all time ranking, we all know who would be last. Ian Mendez. <laughs> no. Yeah, that would be Craig Custance because mm-hmm. he never showed up to work. Bum. Lazy. <laughs> That's correct. So you're not going to actually give us a ranking? Do you think Craig has ever listened to our show to know Absolutely how not. much we reference him? No. Mm, there's no chance. <laughs> Craig probably Craig. listens to like the football show, but he's not listening to the athletic <laughs> hockey show. <laughs> If you're listening, Craig, meet me at Tipsy McStaggers. <laughs> and make sure you drive drunk on the way out of there. It's the Tipsy McStaggers promise. Oh, my gosh. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> I guess that's the we're recording this on Wednesday Eve. Um, but yeah, nothing new from us. If you didn't uh, see the new announcement, Sean is on a new show on Wednesdays every week with Sean McIndoo. So if you want to listen to more Sean or Sean times two, you can get that on Wednesdays and then Thursdays. It's still this trio here. Um, And this week, we're going to go into another deep dive episode. We're less than one month away from the NHL trade deadline. At this point, we know who some of the buyers are uh, and who has already been aggressive. Vancouver has already brought in Nikita Zadorov, Elias Lindholm, and potentially Phil Kessel. It looks like all Signs are trending toward Phil Kessel joining the Vancouver Canucks, which is very fun for quite a few reasons, I guess. And then the Winnipeg Jets jumped into the market too, got Sean Monaghan from the Montreal Canadiens. Montreal, Chicago, Anaheim, San Jose, and Columbus have been sellers for the last few trade deadlines. We can, we can expect that to happen again. I think the most intrigue is going to be found among the bubble teams as the standings either shift or stay the same throughout February. And yeah, so this week we're just going to take a look at who could be buying, who could be selling, and who is stuck in that mushy middle right now waiting for to see how things change over the next few weeks. Um, 
I don't think we'll hit on the teams that have already been active since we've broken down those deals, particularly Lindholm. Sean, I think you and Mackendoo talked about Phil Kessel today or on Wednesday already, right? At so length. let's yeah, just... It was, a, it, was a fill, it was a fill heavy episode. We're Phil guys, me and Mackendoo. Okay. Yeah, perfect. So if you want to get some Phil Kessel talk, listen to the Wednesday show with Sean. And Sean, um, so for today, we'll just go through some tiers. Uh, the top sellers... Uh, the top buyers and the top in between. We're obviously not going to talk about all 32 teams because then this would be a three hour show and no one would listen. So facts. <laughs> all right. So let's start with the sellers guys. I think that makes the most sense. So we can kind of set the stage of who might be available before we talk about the buyers and then get into who could be uh, available or who, what teams could be aggressive at the deadline in terms of that kind of bubble situation. So I think one of the more obvious sellers that we can hit quite quickly here, it's the San Jose Sharks. Um, Max, I think I'll go to you first on just like, if you're the general manager of the San Jose Sharks, are you kind of just selling off and doing what you can to get Macklin Celebrini? Yeah, it'd be it'd because there's really not that much for the Sharks to sell off. They're mm-hmm. they're not the team that you first think of that's gonna you know set the tone of this trade deadline, but they have a huge incentive to unload. You know, for it's that dirty T word basically. But Kapokakin is going to be one of the bigger goalie names uh, potentially out there, and the biggest reason to move him, as you say, Haley, is because it, you don't want to keep him. That's the position that can most help you. Uh, lead the race for Macklin Celebrini. Uh, and I do think he will be a name that can make sense for some teams. He's, he's got that cap hit uh, to his advantage over some of the other goalies we think will be available. Uh, Anthony Duclair is a guy who I think for fairly cheap depth scoring teams should be interested in. Um, and and that's a team that I think uh, maybe not the, the splash appeals, splash names of some of the other teams we're going to talk about today, um, but certainly expect to see two or three deals from them by the end of the deadline, right? And I think Anthony Duclair is probably the the main one to keep an eye on. Uh, he's 21st on Chris Johnston's trade board. I, he's played for quite a few teams over the last few years, but uh, he's only two years removed from a 31-goal season. Uh, he slowed down after the torn Achilles tendon uh, from last year in Florida, um, playing on a expiring contract. He's got a reasonable cap hit, could be like a buy-low candidate at the deadline for sure. Definitely would be by low at 17 points in 46 games. Underlyings are bad. I mean, we know that Duclair's talented. He's done it before, but also I think it is a, it's a little bit of a tough sell because, because he hasn't been productive. He did have a serious injury last season. I think the thought, or I would imagine the hope if you're Mike Greer is that Logan Couture comes back, and he meshes well with Duclair, right? Because those are two skilled players who have, you know, a, a track record of certainly of a, of NHL success. And now Couture's hurt again, so it's like Duclair's, you know, not going to play himself into into a more desirable position or or play himself into more value because he's had forty six games to do it, and is you know, like let's be honest, yeah, he, he hasn't been good. So, do like, do I love? Anthony Duclair's game from two years ago, like absolutely. Is that the guy that a team is getting at this point on Valentine's Day, twenty twenty four? Like, I don't think so. The, the appeal that you're selling, if you're Mike Greer, is this is a bad Sharks team who's going to produce like they did two years ago 
on this team. And if I retain a certain percent, they, they only have one retention spot left because they're already holding money on Burns and Carlson. But if I can get them to at 1.5 million, you're telling me you're not going to take a chance on this guy for, for some kind of meaningful asset. That's, that's yeah. what you're selling. If you're Mike Greer. For sure. And he was fine in the playoffs last year for Florida. He was a part of that cup run 11 points in 20 playoff games. And that was again, coming off of uh, a surgically repaired, Achilles tendon. So that wasn't too far away. And yeah, the sharks just don't, uh, they're not playing great hockey. So, um, there are some other, there are some other players in San Jose that are kind of on the trade board. Mike Hoffman, uh, Max, you already mentioned, uh, the goalie, Kevin LeBanc as well. So I think we can kind of expect San Jose to be selling what they can, but like Max said, this isn't going to be the team that people expect to be like the most fun to follow. So I'm curious, I'll go to you, Max first. Which team are you most excited to see kind of sell off at the deadline? Is it the Calgary Flames or the Anaheim Ducks? It's got to be Calgary because there's a very, I mean, they've already traded Elias Lindholm. There's a very real chance that by deadline day, they've traded what three of the four biggest names who move at at this deadline. And obviously that we're talking about Noah Hannafin and, and Chris Tanev. We'll see on Hannafin. That feels like the one that still has a chance to get done on an extension. Uh, but certainly it looks like, you know, you would think Tanov is, you know, one of those two is going to be the biggest defenseman on the board. And I guess whether either of them move, we'll see, but who it could end up that both of them are the two best defensemen traded on deadline day, which is uh, brutal. Elliot, Fried- Elliot Friedman called Chris Tanov the Taylor Swift of the trade deadline. And what I just that- wanted to say that to get Sean's reaction. What does that even mean? Because people she keep got talking about them. Watching her. Watching Travis Kelsey on on stage. Listen, that is, I'm not trying to go off the rails here, but Taylor Swift is like dancing and doing the same weird stuff at every award show. They are the same person. So it's fine. Uh, But no, it means that. Chris Tanev? Yeah. (laughs) Chris Tanev is always dancing and doing strange things, notoriously known for being a weird boy, not just like very serious and intense and very good on the blue line. But no, it's the fact that everyone keeps talking about Chris Tanev. He is the bell of the ball, so to speak. He's the defender that people keep talking about the same way that everyone talks about Taylor Swift in a way that makes Sean uh, very angry in a concerning way. I have no opinion on Taylor Swift. (laughs) Do you have an opinion on the Calgary Flames at the deadline? (laughs) I'm glad they exist because if they didn't, we would be up up a creek without a paddle. Like how? Like what? They're two still two of the top four names on CJ's board or something. Like it, if it, it and, and that's also not accounting for Jacob Markstrom, who seems like came fairly close to getting dealt to the New Jersey Devils at, at some point. That that deal that deal fell apart, and we will certainly re- revisit that. I would imagine at, at some point during this conversation. We are lucky to have the Calgary Flames. They might, and also, like, not for nothing, they should, should they trade everybody? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are they starting to, like, string together some wins? Like, maybe. Uberdo's so, plan, plan better. They're, like, they're going back to, watch this. They're going back to purgatory. They're, like, not going to move Hannafin. Just, just watch. I love uh, this, but I think There are seven teams in the West that mm-hmm. have a positive goal differential. The next best goal differential at even is the Calgary Flames. Sounds about and right. if I gave you today the runway to the end of the season of these 
four teams. Who are you taking? St. Louis, Nashville, Calgary, Seattle. They're all within four points of each other. Damn it. If the Calgary Flames are not the best of those four teams. It's brutal. It's brutal. Well, it all depends on Jacob Markstrom, right? Because mm-hmm. he is the piece that is going to keep all of that together because you can sell off as much as you want. The Flames are never going to be in full tank mode when they have Jacob Markstrom in net. Like he is the biggest piece. Like if they are going to rebuild, it's not going to be with him as the number one. Like he's just too good. Um, and I think to speak to Sean's point, there was a report from Daily Faceoff. It was Frank Saravalli. He said that Markstrom was willing to waive his no move clause for a deal with the New Jersey Devils. Uh, that deal fell apart, but it looks like they went pretty far down the road to the point where they asked Markstrom, would you waive for this specific move? And he said, yes. Um, will that, will they come back to the table? Um, why did it fall apart? We don't really know, but that, apparently happened according to Frank Saravalli. So um, if Markstrom is still on the flames post deadline, like they're not going to be in the basement of the standings. He's just too good. He's having a great season. Um, And I think there was a quote from Blake Coleman and Julian McKenzie's story today, uh, looking at the flames and how they've been pretty good and they're not going to let this whole trade deadline sell off to find them. It's kind of like a hockey jargon thing. Uh, but I guess Blake Coleman said we moved a couple pieces that were pretty vocal about not wanting to be here. Once you eliminate that and the noise, uh, it's not really affecting us. So maybe we can read into the fact that the flames are vibing a little bit better now that there's guys no longer in the room who did not want to be there. I think it's also just a really good start to being a GM for Craig Conroy. I've got to say, I've really enjoyed the way that, that he's maneuvered a lot of this. Still got, some, right, still got some work to do. You're right about Markstrom and, and him being an obstacle to a rebuild because they 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 are in a decent spot to really kickstart this thing, but it won't happen with Markstrom playing the way that he's playing in goal for them, keeping them right exactly where they are. And he would deliver arguably the best asset. It's it's him or Hannafin, right? I mean, at, at, of the remainers. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I, I think you kickstart a rebuild even better, but it's that tough spot to be in. You, you you wait your whole life to be a GM and six months in, you're already rebuilding. Like, I don't envy that. He's, he's an obstacle to a rebuild now. And last season he was an obstacle to a playoff spot. He stunk. He's like, he's capable of going in the tank for, for, for six weeks. We saw, we saw last, we saw last year. I don't know. Nothing we've seen this year says he will. <laughs> it's true. Right. He's, been, he's been great. He's been great. He was a and he was a Vesna caliber goalie the year before that. So it's the that's the the roller coaster that we're on, I oh, guess, with, with Jacob oh, Markstrom bullies. in Calgary. They're voodoo. The Anaheim I'll Ducks never do not have again. this problem, though. <laughs> the Anaheim Ducks know exactly where they are. The only it's question pretty might cut be, and dry. Yeah. So Adam Henrique is seemingly the best center left on the market. Uh and Frank Vetrano, I think, is a is a name we've heard. I'm curious about that one if only because he's under contract and they do need to feel the team, continue to feel the team. But it seems entirely possible. Those are two of the top six forwards left that we can see move seven. Henrik's the best center on the market, which is bad enough at face value. And he's like, not even a center. 
anymore. Eric Stevens said, I, I read something that Eric wrote last week about how, you know, most of, uh, most of Henrik's, you know, most productive moments over the last half. Over, yes. He, he still takes faceoffs and whatever. He's, he's, he's a good and versatile player, but you know, his on ice position outside of that is real is his best work's been done on the wing, which is wild. Because everyone's saying that, like, who, like, I, who is the second best center behind Henrik? Yeah, it might be like Alex Wenberg or Scott Lawton if he moves. Scott, Morgan Frost, if you consider him a center. Yeah, that's another candidate. I mean, Trevor Zegers, if you consider him a center, and if you consider him Adam Henrik, Adam Henrik. I think at, in terms of like a deadline, like rental player, I think Adam Henrique is going to be more coveted than a Trevor Zegris if you want to win in the playoffs. No, because he's a solid middle six guy. Um, he can eat minutes. He's a decent play driver. He can play in all three zones. Like I, I would think that a team looking for a veteran guy who can play in the middle six, he can kick out to the wing, play up the middle. Somebody would rather have an Adam Henrique than Trevor Zegras. Now we're talking long-term. Someone might want to add Trevor Zegras more than 34-year-old Adam Henrique. But I know Dom did like a behind-the-trade-board story, and Adam Henrique was at the at the top of the second tier mm-hmm. of guys on the trade board. He wasn't in the, uh, the first tier, which is where Jake Gensel and Noah Hannafin, like the top-end talent, but he was the, the best of the middle-of-the-lineup guys. So I think the Ducks are going to be a huge conversation starter at the deadline. And in terms of playoff type, you, I, you, you compare him to Gensel. Obviously, Gensel, I think, is a better player. But like when you look at what playoff teams are usually looking for, probably more yeah. resembles Adam Henrique, right? Like You probably have mm-hmm. your Gensels already. You, no one's going to say no to a score of Jake Gensel's caliber, the right price. But you know, Henrique feels that like you know potentially he's your 3C or he's a really good uh, you know, second line winger who can do damage for you around the net. And and those are the things that playoff teams usually are looking to add, even though they'll happily add a Jake Gensel, but fits the profile more of like the big trade deadline uh, ad. I think the other big conversation out of Anaheim is going to be John Gibson. Like he's going to be a conversation starter again, but I feel like he's one of those guys that the ducks are going to miss the playoffs for the sixth straight season. And we're going to talk about him for probably the sixth straight season. And I just don't know if we're ever going to see a John Gibson trade at the deadline materialize because he makes $6.4 million until 2026, 27. Like that just seems like it's going to continue to be an issue in terms of moving him, him out. And also maybe the ducks want to keep him. Like, I I feel like we keep talking about John Gibson at the deadline and in the summer and, and nothing ever happens. Yeah, and it's probably because as we've talked about on past shows, goaltending's just so thin in the league. Like it's you know everyone needs it, so it's natural to look at the worst teams that have decent goalies and say, mm-hmm. why not that guy? But it is just it's a tricky contract to move it, it, unless you can get Anaheim to retain, and that's a long time to retain. Yes, it is. Three years left after this one. It's six point four. It's thirty now, which makes me feel ancient. John Gibson <laughs> is, is is thirty years old. Um. And he's been good. Like, has he kept up the level of play from the start of the season when the Ducks were, you know, on a little bit of a heater to start out there? Like, no, he hasn't. But he's still, you know, around league average save percentage. He's twelfth overall in goal save to have expected. Like, he's been he's been fine. Fine's just not what gets you traded when you're a goaltender who makes six and a half million dollars for three more years. Like, the price tag's just. 
tough. Yeah. So when you look at that, when you look at him in comparison to whatever, even a guy like Capo Kakinen, like who you picking, really? Like, and it's it's, it's a tough it's a, it's a tough ask. He's still got a league average. I know when we had this conversation before, I don't have like the updated number, but I think a nine oh three was the league average for save percentage. Like he has been average on a bad team, like the 903 save percentage. He's been better than that too, mm-hmm. bailing out a pretty leaky um, in terms of defense ducks team. Like he's got 14 goals saved above expected uh, money. Puck has him at five goals saved above expected. So the evolving hockey tracking has him a, a lot better. That's a pretty big discrepancy, That's a big um, but he's back to being a very solid starter with the potential for more in a better environment. So I don't know. I think when we're like, we're having the conversation about would Jacob Markstrom be on the market? Like maybe a team that strikes out on Jacob Markstrom could look at John Gibson because Markstrom has a pretty big contract mm-hmm. too. So maybe that's something that the devils could look at. Maybe that's there's something easier to be made. And ter- we, ha- there was a quote from Jack Hughes. Like we, we can have this conversation later when we have the devils chat, uh, spoiler alert, but. You know what? I'll just save it for there. Oh, that's a tease. <laughs> Listen to the rest of the show for more. Um, obviously, there's more sellers than just the Ducks, the Sharks, and the Flames. Um, the Chicago Blackhawks, they're going to be selling. The Columbus Blue Jackets, they're going to be selling. Um, the Montreal Canadiens have already started selling off. I think um, those were the top three. And obviously, for a team like Chicago, they just don't have the same trade chips this year as last year. Like they're going to move some pieces out, but we're not talking about like a Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Jake McCabe kind of trade deadline sell off in Chicago this year. So we good on sellers guys. Oh, are you going to look up? Yeah. Like who is even, who are we, who are we talking about? Who is even Chicago's like movable piece? Tyler Johnson. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. With a with a modified no trade clause, Tyler Johnson making five million dollars a year. Ooh, yeah, that's brother. correct. That's why we didn't talk about Chicago, in case anyone's wondering. So, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll dig into some of the the top buyers. Oh my god, I'm never beating these annoying voice allegations. My voice just cracked. Just leave it in, Jeff. It's okay. I'm not going to let the haters get me down. When we come back, we'll look at the top buyers heading into the trade deadline on the Athletic Hockey Show. Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match 
page. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Dealer. All right, welcome back. It's time to get into some of the buyers that we are keeping an eye out for ahead of the trade deadline. The deadline this year, by the way, is March 8th. Mark it on your calendars if you care. The PWHL trade deadline is March 17th. If you're interested in that as well. First trade in the in the PW already. So that was fun. On Super Bowl Sunday, by the way, like after the anthem was done i hit on my reba under and then had to go and write smart a trade very story. controversial depended on who you made the bet with but i digress mine hit can though, we talk so. about the oh. trade deadline being one big friday news dump how, how did the nhl land on making their trade deadline the day that everyone knows that news goes to die is that a is it a friday it's a friday but it won't be a news dump was, huh? if it's the whole day. But it, like, okay, so your deadline's at like 2 or 3 p.m. That, that's when you like leak that like your CEO's stepping down because you did some, <laughs> something shady. You know what I mean? Right. But like, I don't think people who care about the deadline are going to be logging off at 3 p.m. No, if they no, care about true. the deadline. It's right? True. That's fair. I'm more worried about my like personal subscribers to The Athletic. And so I'm looking for I'm right, looking like no one's going to open up the app on the weekend, so yeah, no one's going to yeah. read your analysis on the trade That's deadline. Probably true. It's yeah. going to be bad. No, bad no because business. it's the trade the deadline. That's like a tentpole thing. People who care are going to care, regardless if it's on a Tuesday or a Watch. Friday. It'll be like a nice day in Detroit on on oh, March eighth, and everybody's going to go outside on Saturday. Everyone's going to be playing nice. tennis, fishing, Mac. Max's views are going to be in the tank. That's an I, it, interesting point from producer Jeff here. I, I, I did forget about that because this is the second straight year that it's been on a Friday. There was an issue because it was, you know, with paperwork's whatever, immigration paperwork. It's like if you get traded Friday at a five and the office is closed for, closed for the weekend, like, good luck. Two day delay. Yeah, that's very funny. It's not a business day. So let's bring Call it back on to Monday, Monday morning. Tuesday. That, that's the real point of this like, podcast. I feel like Tuesday is the is the a money day. That's maybe like the, we should just expect a really boring trade deadline. The NHL I, looked at the pending UFAs and we're like, let's put this on a Friday this year. We're <laughs> definitely gonna have it's, it's gonna be one of those deadlines, especially because of watch like, so like some big name player will get traded in the in the next in the next couple weeks, and it'll be one of those one of those years where you can see, you know. You can see the sweat start to form on Duthie's brow, like live on television, where he's like, we need, to, "We need to, we need to move on." You saw it firsthand. I've done a trade deadline day show when a bunch of the trades happened, and I was—I think that was the year because I did a free agent frenzy and a trade deadline day show for TSN, and I think 
it was the trade deadline where I was actually on a panel and then it was free agency where I was like actually working the free agent board. And I think at certain points they were just like, do you guys have anything that you want to debate or like anything going on? And then we had guys coming in with like mini sticks. Uh, And then there was the little kid who gave the pep talk, which was very nice. But yeah, you can definitely, uh, that's a long. Was that the Herb Brooks speech or? With the little kid? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't even know. I think I got in at like 530 in the morning that day. That's like a really, really long day. And when there's nothing going on, it makes it even worse because you're just kind of like sitting in the studio being like, do we have anything to talk about? So, yeah. Well, I, I really Maybe enjoyed it's... the first uh, insider segment on our on our new lineup this week featured Laz just putting CJ on the spot to tell him how boring his, his trade board was. That's so rude. <laughs> he was having fun with it. He was just saying there's not a lot of fun names on this. And CJ was like, yeah, thanks. Uh, Adam Henrique, yeah, aren't, aren't you aren't you psyched to psyched or let's let's get pumped for you know Tyler. And Johnson. now here we are talking yeah. about all these players and who That's teams right. could commit. Hell yeah, people care. Dudes rock. Let's get to the buyers. Um, let's start with the Edmonton Oilers. I think they're uh, the big one here. They're on the hunt for a top six winger. It looks like, um, Max, I know that you were talking about this already. Warren Fogle is on the trade board. Um, so this is a team that, you know, they have some money to spend. They have deadline cap space of about $2.37 million according to Cat Friendly right now. Um, but if they want to bring in like a Jordan Eberle, whose cap hit is around five and a half, you're probably going to have to move some money out to make that work or have, you know, the Seattle Kraken or whatever team you might be making a trade with retain some salary. Um, Warren Fogle could be a guy who's the odd man out on that Oilers roster if they want to add a meaningful piece that comes with cap space. Um, but you had a kind of interesting point that we were discussing um, as to should they actually just keep Warren Fogle and figure out the money elsewhere. Yeah, so I, I was talking about this with uh, our colleague Harmon Dial earlier this week, um, and he made the good point to give him the credit here. Uh, Fogel, while yes, that is a, a move that can make the money work, like he does bring a, a, some couple of really nice elements to a bottom six. If you if you're that tied up for money, and we're using this number five and a half just because you mentioned Jordan Eberly here, but like you can find you know in addition to Seattle retaining a broker team to hold another 50% and that probably ends up costing you something cheaper in terms of draft compensation than what you lose in your lineup from subtracting a guy like Warren Fogel, who does bring some production to the bottom six does bring a heavy element that I think it's been important for the Oilers to have this year. And so uh, if, if you are the Oilers, I do think by the end of this, like, yeah, you might want to move the money and, and obviously we'll see what the name is that they ultimately end up targeting and, and how motivated they're going to be to make it happen. You probably do want to hold on to guys like that. That's probably a big part of the depth that has made them a better team these last couple of years. And, and that's, to me, enough incentive to not just treat that as a cap, not to treat him as a, as a value add. And I think we can all agree that the Oilers are going to be a team that should be an aggressive buyer at the deadline. Like there is no gray area here. They're probably yep. going to have to get pretty creative in terms of the cap space, in terms of the players that they move in and out and their kind of tradable assets. I don't know that they have a ton of great um, prospects or young players that can, that they can package. They do have their first round picks for the next three years. They have a second rounder this year. They don't have a third or a fourth this year, but they do have assets in terms of draft capital. 
Um, Sean, as you look at the trade board, is there a player that pops out to you that is like a perfect Oilers pick? I feel like I just keep deferring back to Jordan Everly personally. I mean, just because I for the plot, (laughs) honestly. Well, we also have a sense that maybe the Kraken. I mean, they're in that in that mushy middle in the in the West. I mean, they should be in a position to think about selling where they can. So Everly certainly qualifies there. That'd be fun. It'd be fun. Bring back like kind of late career Jordan Epperly, let's say. Reunite him, reunite him with David. That's the exact kind of player they need is some kind of, you know, offensive element like in the middle, in the middle six, right? They already, they already bracked that Sam, Sam Gagne is kicking around. Let's bring all of them And back. Corey Perry. I don't care about him. Let's bring back like Alish Hemsky or something. Bring back everybody. <laughs> Fernando IR. Fern- Fernando Pisani. Let's bring back like one like Hall of Fame uh, that guys from Edmonton of uh, of years past. Yeah, I, I think I think that'd be awesome. He makes a ton of sense. You know, it's like it's like you guys have you guys said before. The money's going to be a challenge for for Edmonton. I, I think in a in, in a way that it, maybe it isn't it isn't for others, and it would make adding Aberly maybe a, a little tough. But hey. Make it happen. And CJ made this point in his trade board too. So we'll bring it up and, and Max flagged it in our chat. Philip Roberg is probably one of the like young prospect mm-hmm. players that the Oilers could potentially move on from. Uh, he hasn't had a ton of meaningful NHL minutes in Edmonton. He's 22 years old, eighth overall pick from 2019. He's playing in the American Hockey League right now. He's six foot four defender. I think if you're the Oilers, you probably want to keep a prospect like that. Um, but he is also probably the most valuable trade chip in terms of a young player that they might have. So that's maybe a name to circle. If you're trying to see what are the Oilers going to do, who could they move in and out? Broberg is somebody that CJ has already circled on his trade board. Um, want to hit the Rangers guys. I think they're an obvious candidate as well. And they're another one of those interesting teams is like, we know they're going to like, we know that they're going to be a buyer, but they also do have some guys on the trade board that could be moved out either for cap considerations, um, or just a player that they might move on from. Um, Sean, do you have a thought on the Rangers, uh, being a buyer at the deadline? Nobody, I, it, it's bad that Philip Heedle's hurt, obviously. Like, they would rather have Philip Heedle, but that the fact that he is done for the season uh, gives Jury almost four and a half million dollars of extra cap space to work with because he's on L, LTIR, right? So, mm-hmm. I think, I think you look at them, they're, they're a team that you would imagine is in the mix for, you know, is he is that where Adam Henry ends up? A player like that, who's who's in, who's a middle six guy with some versatility to, you know, give him a little bit of pop there for a guy like say we're you know, Capo Caco, where hasn't hasn't worked out. They're not not yeah. thrilled with him. Understandable. They need to find some way to they. He was a guy who they thought would produce on on the middle six. It hasn't happened. So you got to find it from elsewhere, and they have the money to do it. And you know. It's a flawed Eastern Conference. I, me and McIndoe talked about that, you know, at length today. There aren't a lot of slam dunk, you know, elite contenders there. The Rangers are, are, as, are as close as anybody to that status, right? So I think if you can get some five-on-five production, if you can get another forward there, they have the cap space to do it now. I, I think they get a lot more interesting. 
I think the Rangers are just a lock to be an aggressive buyer at the deadline, like Sean said. I mean, they've been one of the top teams in the East, despite the fact that Igor Shosturkin looked human for large chunks of it. He looks like he's back. He got a shutout in that last game or his last start. Um, And we know that this is a team that has been aggressive at the deadline, and this is a team or a general manager, at least in Chris Jury, that has gotten creative with less money to spend, right? They went out and got... Tarasenko and Patrick Kane while navigating a very tight cap situation last year. And he has more wiggle room this year. Uh, According to cap friendly, they have around $5.2 million in deadline cap space. So you could add a meaningful player in that sense. If you're the New York Rangers, Um, I think another one to talk about, you know, one team that we might maybe just skirt over the Boston Bruins. um, They're a team that are, you could probably watch to buy, um, in terms of a top six scoring winger, but they have a shortage of assets to get an impact player. They don't have a first round pick in 2024. They don't have their second or their third rounder either. So the Bruins are kind of in tough and like they should do something, but what are they going to be able to do? Um, let's go to the Carolina Hurricanes, though, because this is a team that has been one of the best in the East over the last few weeks. They had a really good start to 2024 um, when we're looking at coming out of the break. What do you guys think that the Canes are going to do post deadline? Is it just a goalie? It seems like that's the need, but over and over again, we see that Carolina and I, I don't, I think Laz or Ian or somebody made this point earlier this week over and over again, they seem to prove that they, we think that every year about them and they don't really seem to agree or do anything to, to suggest that that's how they're going to approach things. So I look at them and say, yes, absolutely. If it's not that, you know, I don't know what it is for them. They're, they're a pretty clinical team. They're really hard to play against team. And then it's just a matter of, you know, does it go their way this year? And and to me, I would look at that if I were them and say, the one thing I haven't tried is getting a stud goalie. I'm going to try that. But Sean, I mean, do you see any reason to believe that that, 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 that they're going to actually do that? Or why, why wouldn't they just keep going as business as usual? They've given us every indication. That that's how they think. I think from past years, they've had, you you don't want to say that Freddie Anderson's a random guy because he's not, but they've had like at least one viable option. He's been hurt. Antirant has been bad. Kachetkov hasn't been, you know, he hasn't taken, he hasn't taken the leap. I think that's where things kind of differ for him, right? Like last year, Ranta had, Ranta was better. The year before that, Freddie Anderson was a Vesna finalist. Like they had, they've had options there in the past. Now, could part of that be because of their their game? It has it has it makes it easier for a goaltender to look good? Like absolutely, but it ha- also hasn't worked out that way this year. D- despite you know, whatever it's the Corsi Canes, right? Shot attempts and expected goals and possession and zone time and all that stuff. They they kill it. They're killing it again. They do every year, but the the variable for them is yeah is, is that they don't have that guy in net who's performed this season. Maybe that's Freddie Anderson down the stretch, but you know, and in, in he, he's when he's healthy and ready to go. But I think that's, I think that's a, I think that's a pretty, pretty tough ask. So I'd be surprised if they didn't go out and get, you know, some option. Cause that, cause, cause again, like this, that team's capable of winning a Stanley cup right now. And they're like, do you, do you, do you really want to go in the playoffs with a guy who you waived earlier in the season, a guy who's, who struggled with serious health issues, you know, all season, and then another guy who's a, a young dude who hasn't quite been able to bridge the gap from AHL performance to NHL performance. I don't, I don't think so. If 
I guess the one other thing you could do is say, if you're not going to do it in goal, you go get another forward, right? And you try to just score more goals, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's the other thing about the Canes is they get all this pressure and that's the, you know, the Corsi Canes, right? How often does it lead to pucks in net? So that's the alternative. They get six and a half million in deadline space. That's enough to get a scorer, especially if a team retains, you know, that's potentially enough to get you in on like a Jake Gensel even. Um, if, if he becomes available, they're always stuff. like, that's always my go-to when, like, when we're talking about Gantz, I'm like, yeah, if you just go, if it's the off season, he signs for seven, seven years and $52 million with the, with the Canes. Like, right. Cause it is, that's the kind of guy, it's, that's a, it's the kind of fit that I think makes sense. Yeah. I think we also just have to remember, and Max already said this, but like, this is not a regime that has been particularly aggressive at the deadline. Yep. Right. Like I think the biggest thing, the biggest swings we've seen them make is for like Brady Shea and Vincent Trocek. This is not like an all out on rentals at the yeah. deadline kind of group. And the year before, like there wasn't a reason for them to get goalies because their tandem was great. And they believed that they had a deadline ad, quote unquote, internally in Max Pacioretty. Unfortunately, he got hurt again. So maybe they swerved from that, looking at their their window and saying, like, maybe we should uh do something different because we haven't been aggressive and we haven't won. So maybe they'll change a little bit in terms of the goalie conversation. If we're not, if we're not, if we don't think they're going to go for like a Markstrom or a Gibson is Jake Allen or Mark Andre Fleury going to be the answer in Carolina. Like that's the problem. Who are they going to go out and get? I will say like, I'll say in their defense too, like they were in on Timo Meyer last year. Didn't get him. And now in hindsight, given the way he's played this year for Jersey, like, is that so much, is that a bad thing? Like not necessarily. And then a couple days after the deadline, Andre Sveshnikov blows out his ACL. So like that was, that's, that's the underrated part of that injury being devastating for, for their, for their, uh, for, for their season. Aside from the fact that they lost Sveshnikov, they lost him at the most inopportune time imaginable because Otherwise, they could have they could have put him on LTIR. They would have had more money to work with, maybe a, a greater sense of urgency, which would have changed maybe the way they moved when it came to Meyer or, or a player like that. And we said we 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 see how that worked out, right? But they're I think they're a little bit more they're a little bit more aggressive, I think, than maybe we give them we give them credit for in in, in one way or another. I I don't think it's out of the question that they try to that they try to make some kind of you know big time move. All right, the Dallas Stars are another team that should be a lock to buy, and they seem like a pretty simple one. They're top nine. We've talked about it a lot over the course of the season. Like We all really like their forward group. I think the thing to add to is their blue line, correct? Yeah, and, and this is a team that I think we all feel. In fact, I think we may have all three been among the Dallas Star Stanley Cup uh, predictors in, in the athletic yes. mm-hmm. the season. That's so correct. we all think this is a team that is certainly good enough to win the cup, maybe even if they don't do anything. But if, if teams around you are loading up, I think you'll it to yourself if you're this Dallas team and you're built as well as you are to go all in a little bit for this. And, and I think if if Noah Hannafin gets to market, they should be in on him. If not, Chris Tanev should be very much on their radar. If they miss on both of those mm-hmm. guys, don't give up and go chase. You know, I know there's a drop off from there a little bit, but you should be in on, on whether it's a Sean Walker or Joel Edmondson, just like load up because – you got if you're Dallas, I think you got to plan to play at least a month of playoff hockey, and you should be thinking about playing two. And I think that that means blue line depth, plain and simple. Cap's going to be a challenge for them. They've they've got less than two million in in, in projected uh, deadline space, according to Cap Friendly. So that makes it tough. But at the same time, like I don't know, 
retain some money, get creative, send out a pick, send some find, out, find a send money find, out, figure out, figure out who, who would, yeah, who, who a team would want, you know, find, find a broker to, to, to add money, whatever it takes, you know, make the Sean addition. Walker only makes six point six, like, Jesus, mm-hmm. 2.65 million. He's not that out of the budget. I, I, I love Sean Walker from them. It's got some right got some shot off- D. Got some offensive abilities or right shot. That's the exact it's the exact sort of thing that they need. And even Tanev, right? Like, I mean, if you get Calgary to retain money there, like he's he's starting for you at four point five, you get that down to two point two, and mm-hmm. you send a, you know a, a smaller contract out, and you're you're there, right? So it's a, you can yeah. you can afford to be in on you you can afford to do enough to to upgrade your blue line here. Mm-hmm. I think the debate is: do they need a shutdown guy, or do you want a more offensive defender on that blue line? And it's tricky because you just traded a first round pick a couple of years back for Nils Lundqvist. And mm-hmm, I don't know that mm-hmm. he's yet ready to be that guy in the playoffs and it juries out on if he will be at all, but like, you know, are you doubling down a little too much there? I think you could make that argument. You can also make the argument that, you know, you don't have the time to wait because Joe Pavelski's as much as he's remained mm-hmm. ageless to this point will not mm-hmm. forever be right. So yeah. I think you could make a case either way. I, I personally would go for the shutdown guy, but, it's a it's a very real question. Their second pair right D is Yanni Hockenpah, who's like is just, you know whatever. Give him he's on the roster. He's been a pretty good NHL player for a long time, but hard to imagine, you know, between him and between him and uh, and Lundqvist on the right side that there's that there's not a way for them to get better there. I love, but yeah, Sean Walker, I love it. Let's get let's get that done. Let's make it happen. It's the first smart thing I've said in the first forty five minutes of this podcast. <laughs> It's not true. I hope everybody made it this far to hear that. Uh, okay, the final team before we wrap the buyers segment. Do we think the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to be buyers at the deadline? Question mark. They'd like to be. Like, but you gotta you gotta give up stuff to get stuff. I mean, like they have all this cap space now because Sergachev's on LTIR, which you know I'm sure they'd rather have him around for a variety of reasons, but. They gave up a full draft for Tanner Janelle. The Brandon in the Brandon Hagel trade, like great as Hagel's been, you know, that depleted the the reserve there. So you know they would love to get something done. You know they have the space to do it in a way that most like playoff caliber teams don't now because yeah. of because of how much money Sergachev is making. But it's like seven and a half million in deadline space right <sighs> now, by the way. But how do but you they don't have a first round pick until twenty twenty six? <laughs> they should just trade the 2026 first round like, who cares flip side like though flip side is we just talked about this is a fairly uninspiring trade block yeah. like we're not talking about first round picks necessarily right if you want to get in on tanover walker is it really costing you that much sean monahan cost a first second? though yeah, I, I wouldn't have done that, honestly. But yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's the meanest thing Max has ever said. Oh my god. Why do you hate Sean Monaghan? No, it's just it's a little rich. I don't know. But like, but if you're Tampa, why can't you get Sean Walker or Chris Tanner for a package around a second round pick and something else a little later on your ledger? Why why can't you do that? I don't think Chris Tanner's going for a second. And if he's the bell of the ball, he's, the Tanev, he's the I he's very a, good. Hey. Haven't you heard? He's the Taylor Swift of the NHL trade. Taylor Swift I is. Somewhere. I was going to let this go earlier, 
Sean said he had no opinion on Taylor Swift. And then when asked if he had an opinion on the Calgary Flames, he said, I'm glad they exist. And I think there's an ipso facto there. It kind of <laughs> makes me wonder. Wait a second. <laughs> oh, very, no. Uh, very, very, very sneaky. We're going to watch. Chris Tan is going to get a first and a third or something. Oh, like, wow. like, like someone, someone's going to lose. He's 34. It. Doesn't okay. matter. He is the best okay. defensive defender available. Okay, the then forget I said Tanev. Why, why not Sean Walker for a second and a whatever? Because <laughs> Sean Walker is going to the stars, bro. Come on. We <laughs> already established that job. <laughs> Max, why does nobody listen to me? That's true. All right. Well, fair enough, <laughs> I guess. I, you're right. They are. But you're they are right. Assets. You're right. But I, to be I fair, they don't have a second round pick this year either. <laughs> 2025. Sorry, yeah, you're right. 2025. But. Nikita Kucherov is playing so well. You're only going to have so many yeah. more years of him at this level, of Andre Vasilevsky at this level. Screw the future. Like, go, you guys make the joke about the 26 first. Like, do what it takes to, to I mean, I, mm-hmm. and maybe it's just too impossible already down Sergachev. That might be the case. But I would have a really hard time punting, and the Lightning for how long have been finding creative ways to get better at the trade deadline. I say yes until they are literally six points out of a playoff spot at the trade deadline. I'm, I'm a yes. It's the last year of Steven Stamkos in Tampa Bay. You're going to punt on Go him? for it. I don't think so. Yeah, they can't. Breezebaugh is one of those GMs that understands the gift, so to speak, to steal what Sean always says. Like that is a general manager who knows what he has and he's going to spend futures to, to get another crack at it. So we can talk about their not having a first round pick. All we want. They're going to figure something out. It seems like he's a guy who can get creative and get stuff done. Uh, let's take a break. And uh, yeah, we saved the best for last. We said that we think the bubble teams are the most interesting and it took us a while to get there. But when we come back, we're going to talk about all the teams that could kind of go either way. We're still waiting to see. Uh, that's the Penguins, Flyers, the Red Wings, and more that's coming up next on the Athletic Hockey Show. All right. Welcome back. Uh, It's time to talk about some of the bubble teams, the teams that we don't really know what they're going to do yet. We're still waiting to see. uh, There's a little less than a month until the trade deadline on March 8th. Still some time, but these teams kind of got to figure out, are they going to buy? Are they going to sell? Are they going to stand pat? Uh, Let's start with the Pittsburgh Penguins. We talked about them quite a bit last week because we talked about Jake Gensel more specifically. So Sean, very quickly, um, the Pittsburgh Penguins, whether they are in or they're out, I just, Jake Gensel is the top name on the trade board. And I just feel like I don't see him getting moved at the deadline personally. But maybe if they're way out of a playoff spot and there's a huge deal that Kyle Dubas can't say no to, like, what's your thought on on Jake Gensel and the Pittsburgh Penguins at the deadline? They have a, I've, I looked this up earlier. They have 11 games before the deadline. We're going to know in one way or another whether this is a team that's capable of actually making the playoffs, which for them, we talked about this last week, I think. It's all that matters. Just get in, like, hope Jari gets hot. You know, and roll the dice because <laughs> why not? But we're going to know if they're even capable of getting there and putting themselves in a position to roll the dice um, mm-hmm. by the time the deadline rolls around. And they have a ton of games in hand on on the rest of the Eastern Conference field, but they're but they're also way 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 behind in points, right? So it's it's a yeah. it's a coin flip. Like, can they can they make up the ground? Can they not? 
we're going to know by the time March 7th or 8th rolls around. Um, so that's, I, I think some of the, the guesswork until then will be interesting, but we're going to know eventually, like, but before it's all said and done, whether, you know, that's a team worth keeping together or whether it's worth trying to, you know, get the, get the Claude Giroux deal for, for Jake Gensel, which I saw someone compare it to where you get a first and a third and a relevant young piece, like, like Florida, like, uh, like Philly got an Owen Tippett from Florida. I think that's like the platonic ideal. If they trade Jake Gensel of what they'd get, but they have to be out of the mix first. And I'm not ready. I'm not ready to declare that because, you know, it's a, it's, it's not a good team overall maybe but it's certainly a team that's capable of rattling off uh six wins out of eight or something and then if that happens you know they're they're right back there what's in the mix for you like do they have to be in a mm-hmm. playoff that's spot a good question the yeah because they're seven points back of the red wings question. for the second wild card spot right now they need their red wings to start losing some games which we mm-hmm. saw we did see that happen yeah. last night they lost in regulation to edmonton mcdavid had 15 assists or whatever it was <laughs> <laughs> they need that to happen a few more times and they need, and they need some breaks to go there and, and they need to win games. Also like games in hand don't matter if you don't actually win them. And that, and that so they need For to sure. eat what they need to eat, eat what's on their plate as far as that's concerned. But I think if they're, you know, if it's, if it's March 7th and they're within four, two, three, four of a, of a playoff spot to me, that's good enough to just let it roll because they're, situation and i feel like i say some version of this every single week their situation is bad enough long term where it is not gonna a jake gensel trade is not gonna fix this yeah them them moving out them moving out gensel for for two good pieces and a half decent one is not gonna all of a sudden make 2027 any less of a disaster for them so they might as well just let it rip and like wouldn't you might might as well just like re-sign jake gensel though yes Completely. But I, but you know, if, you know, if, if this is, if this is a team that, uh, that three weeks from now, we're still talking about is seven or eight points out of a wild card race, then, you yeah. know, I, I can, I can see the logic there. I just look at it as with, with Jake Gensel, if you're not, if you don't think you can get him back and you think, you know, you're not, you know, I, I don't know to me, I think I'd, I'd even want to be, I'd want to be in the playoff spot by the trade deadline to, to, to hold him. Not because I think it's the difference between being good. The first round pick itself is the difference in between being a good team in 2027 or not or whatever, mm-hmm. because that's an asset you can use this summer because you you know you're in this window. That's true. I mean, that's, that's a good point. You can flip that this summer for the reconstruct for next year. But I, I think it gets less likely every year. So it's a tough, you know, I, this might be your better chance than next year, even with your two points out deadline. I don't know. So. Yeah, I just think even if they're seven points out, I just have such a hard time seeing them trading Gensel because even though he's probably the player who's going to get the biggest package by trade deadline standards, you're not going to get a player who can be Jake Gensel right now or become Jake Gensel, in my opinion. So you like you've already gone all in. I said this last week. You've already gone all in. You kept the big three together. Why would you get rid of Sidney Crosby's line mate (laughs) and like an elite player? If you own. know if you know that he's going to want seven and a half million dollars, whatever, then I then I can kind of see it. But yeah, even still, like, I don't. And you know. should know that to for, to be clear, you should know. Hundred percent. Yeah. Clear space That's elsewhere. Be a big Move out, and and this is also a relevant player who's on CJ's list. Riley Smith has not yeah, worked out in Pittsburgh at all, but but he had mm. 
He had a he had a couple several really good years in Vegas where he's gonna you know does he have some value elsewhere? Not cheap. A guy like him, a guy like a guy like Ricard Raquel, like in like in in the offseason. If they need to clear space to sign Jake Kensel, there's more candidates there than I think people are giving him credit for. Yeah. Is there any world where you could trade Jake Gensel and get you know the most that you can get for him, and then sign trade him again? For like never Anthony Duclair. No, 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 no. That's not what I mean. Oh, trade, also trade for Anthony Duclair. You get He's your score, like- and you say, "Hey, Sid, like, sorry, but keep going for it with this guy. We'll see if this is a spark of any kind, and we have a pick that we can do something with this summer." Duclair's a Duclair's a right winger, isn't he? Right, he can play. I can think play he play. is pretty versatile. Yeah. Max, be, I don't like when you make good funny. points because I, be, I don't like it. It'd be <laughs> they might get hit for like not picking a direction or something. I don't know. I don't know if that if that would be too harsh a criticism. I'm just saying if if we're saying you owe it to these guys to go for it, but you're saying the asset management case is so clear. You owe you it them the you goal? owe it them to go for it if they're within spitting distance of a playoff spot. What is spitting distance? Seven points, Seven. three points? No, it's 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 way less than that. It's two it's in, it's in, it's yeah, two to four. four. Yeah, I don't I don't know. And if they're not, did you say that already? There, I guess I wasn't listening. They zoned out. I said I said three or four like that. That that to me is the dividing line on on March eighth between being like, all right, we need to we need to make some tough decisions here, or just or just say let it rip. I'd trade them, but I'd be open to trying to to do both and 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 add somewhere else because I just think that's I don't think you can ignore that. That's the your chance to get assets to do something else with. That's where I'd be. Yeah, it's a good point. All right. The other team to kind of look at in the wild card race in the East, and I guess just in terms of the Metro division is the New Jersey Devils. This is the team that I think we kind of have like a debate on, right? Like, do we look at the Devils as an in-between team or should they just strictly be a buyer? We already talked about the fact that they were in talks for a Jacob Markstrom trade. So that clearly signals to us that they are in the market. They want to buy, they want a goalie. And this was, I guess, the little tease that I brought up. And we have this wonderful, very kind quote from Jack Hughes uh, from two days ago. When we get the saves, it's much easier to win. I think by that, I think the Devils are buyers based on that. And also the fact that they are much closer than a team like the Penguins to, um, a wild card spot. I think they're only three points back of the Red Wings right now. Um, but I think there's maybe a debate. Are they are they a tweener? Like, do you just not do anything? You say we're going to punt this year and, and try again next year. What do you guys think? If, if I, you know, I think we've talked on the show four or five times, and I keep saying, just wait, the Devils are coming, and I think I think they are. But like, it's getting harder and harder to make that case, and. You know, what would you have to bet on that to happen? You talked about, you know, the, the, the idea of a Markstrom trade that seemingly has fallen through. Mm-hmm. How many more other names there do you trust to be that? Like, you know, I know I'm getting a save from this guy. John Gibson's one, but there's the money yeah. thing. Like, Flurry? It's just, if it's not Markstrom, then who? Yeah. Is Flurry that? I don't know. Is he that sure of a thing? The thing that people lose sight of with Markstrom is he has term. He's got two years left after this one. It's six. It's six million dollars. So you can see why the Devils were interested in him in the yeah. first place. Aside from him being really good right now, you can say as stinky as he was last year. You can say like, don't say this stinky. Is, he's stinky. <laughs> you can see how you, you you can see them saying like, all right, this is going to be our guy for the next couple of years. It's a it's a reasonable. 
it's a reasonable leap to make. I don't know. And I don't know if necessarily, even though John Gibson is in that money price wise and in and, and contract wise and age wise, I don't know if you can say necessarily that he offers the same, the same kind of skill. So it's interesting. Go on. I think that, I think the Devils are in the bot. I think they're a little bit closer to the buyer tier again. They're only two points out of a playoff spot. I think the question is just like, who else would they buy if it's not a goalie? Yeah, just try to get some depth. I don't know. Yeah, it's it'll be a interesting one. to see. It is. I, 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 you can make the argument either way. I, I, if I'm them, if I can't get a goalie, I think I'd just say, let's see what happens because I really do like what they have. But it's getting, you know, it's, we're so far into the season that I don't know how much longer I could keep saying that. So. Yeah, they're coming though. They've yeah. basically come out of like the, a week or two or three ago. They were so banged up health wise, and they're at least out mm-hmm. of that. They're at least out of that run. I know Dougie's Dougie's on LTIR, you know, until the playoffs if they make it by by all accounts. So he, easy to say there, but like I don't know, they've made it. They've made it, you know, to to, to the other end of the to the other end of the river. I think in in, in one way or another. I think the last update I saw was January 5th, and this was just like a CBS fantasy update. Um, or this was from Anna Stein, actually, on the CBS site. This was in January. He's still a long ways away. This is talking about Dougie Hamilton. He had surgery December 1st with a torn pec uh, and will likely be sidelined for another three to four months. Torn, torn pecs are, that's a low-key, yeah. very, very nasty, nasty injury. Yeah. Doesn't sound low-key. It just sounds like blatantly terrible um i think the consideration when we're talking about the devils and and even the penguins maybe to a lesser extent um is what happens with the philadelphia flyers they are standing pat with a metro playoff spot they are third in the metro only one one point back of carolina but this is a team that has said they're kind of open for business or not open for business not as aggressive but they're they will listen Mm -hmm. and they have a lot of players who are on the trade board? Um, Rasmus Ristolainen, they've got Morgan Frost, Nick Sealer, Scott Lawton, and Sean Walker, who we've talked about already. So, this is a team that's been competitive, but they also have a lot of players that teams might be interested in. And it doesn't seem like their front office is going to say, no, we're trying to make the playoffs and go on a run in the Metro. So, that's a team who could drop out of the playoff picture. If you're the Flyers, do you try to get in and see what you can do? Or do you kind of stick to the plan which is like we are in a retool we are in a rebuild so to speak let's just move out who we can do you think management's gonna be in alignment with john tortorella on this i think is, is my question they're all right? supposed to be working together supposed that to, was the like, whole deal but but tortorella is not going to ease off of of this right i mean he's not gonna like fight them if they if they trade somebody but like it's right like like they're they're I those think- players that locker room is is you know, galvanized around trying to prove people wrong. You can't just uh, I feel like the most that's like, you a, that, can't say no. If someone's trying to give you no, a first rounder oh, for no, Sean no, Walker, no, 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 we've already traded Sean Walker. We've established Dallas already. Dallas. Yeah. But, but I, I just mean like, it, you could, I think you could only strip it back so much. Like you, you don't, you can't say no to the deals that are, that are no brainers for you. That's that's, And I don't think John Tortorella would argue that with you either, but I don't think you can have like a full, how many names did we just list? You can't trade all those guys, right? Like you can only trade one, maybe so. two. Five. Yeah, you can't trade five guys in a playoff spot. Just when you thought they were dipping out, too, they they won four in a row now. Yeah, so they they kind of they kind of counteracted the the uh, the lull that we saw that we saw in them a, a week or two ago. I just I still feel like if they're in, if it look man, 
if it's in three weeks and we're still talking about them as the number three team in, in the Metro division, I don't know if you, te- maybe you don't tear it down to the studs. Maybe you make some kind of, you know, glancing addition just to, just to say that you did it. Cause that, that, that's mm-hmm. tough. If, if you're in, if it's, if it's, if it's May, if it's March 7th and they're the number, they are still in third place in that division. I, are you going to trade Sean Locker to the Dallas stars? I think you are because he's an unrestricted really free agent. That's I think you do. Yeah. He's 29 years old. He's a UFA. I love it. That's such why actually want to win. Like he's not going to be as good as he is now. Right. So I think what the flyers, if, if they are still in the Metro in the wild card, like they're still in it, I think we'll maybe see, or I think I would like to see, I'm not going to suggest that I have inside information on the flyers because I don't, but I think what would make sense for Danny Briere would be like, don't gut the team because they're mm-hmm. still winning to Max's point. Don't strip it to the studs. Things are working well. Don't, totally mess up a good thing. I don't think they should add to that roster. So I think this is still a team who will want to have multiple first round picks top uh, four round picks in the next couple of years. But I think you move out those UFAs like Sean Walker, Nick Sealer, Mark Stahl's a UFA as well. Not sure if there's going to be a ton of interest in him. Um, and then you maybe think like, okay, is Morgan Frost or Rasmus Ristolainen going to be a part of this kind of next wave? Like, I think you maybe listen on those, but in terms of like UFAs, those guys should probably be gone. Like, there's no reason to keep a pending unrestricted free agent in Philadelphia this year. I've just enjoyed the 23-24 Flyers experience, and I don't think I want it to end. I think that's, I think that's mainly what I'm saying. But yeah, that's like, that's the smart move. You could like, they strike a too. balance between buying and selling, right? Yeah, if you're Danny Briere, you can sell it as I already bought. I, I went and got Jamie Drysdale, and, and that's really more of a hockey trade. But they brought a defenseman into this already. Yeah. So if they do end up trading a defenseman, you say, yeah, we got a defenseman in and we had a defenseman out and we got younger, but it's still a good player who can help us right now. That's probably how you're trying to sell it if, if that's what they end sure. up doing. I, I was surprised that Morgan Frost made his way onto the trade board. Me though. too. Like, I, I wouldn't trade Morgan Frost if I was him. He's under contract for next year too, at a good number. Like, why, why are we trading Morgan Frost? A weird history with Torts over the last couple of years, and I, I don't know. We'll see. Why do you want to keep him, Max? He's been a really effective. Like, I mean, I, 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 you know, that's it's been a good line for them. He's a good young player. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's it's the the profile on the on the player type is stalled prospect, and I get that that's been kind of the narrative around him and it's been true for a couple of years, but I, you know, I've liked him this year. I don't, I don't see why you're so, so in a rush to trade him. He's over a point per game. Like I, I'm keeping Morgan Frost. If I can, it's a good number for that production. Okay, I, I think the flyers are going to be very, very interesting at the deadline. Like they might be one of the teams that kind of pops up and is more mm-hmm. fun than we might think. Um, obviously we think they're fun because we're talking about them here. Uh, the or they team- just, or they just go in the tank and make Briere's job way easy. Like at, at yeah. the deadline, that's, that's like, <laughs> not, that is what a, Detroit, not an unlikely outcome that happened with Detroit last year. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, they yeah. were to a point where it was like, Oh, they could they even buy and then they go and they lose to Tampa at home and they go to Ottawa and get, you know, bl- blown off the ice, basically six, two, six, one consecutive nights. And they trade Tyler Bertuzzi and Philip Peronic in the next two days. Like it just made everything. Yeah. Well, that's that, right? And that, that could happen for Philly, too. Things happen pretty quickly. I think the Red Wings are another team that um, is another kind of wait-and-see one. Max, do you think that if they're in, they're going to want to spend? Or could this be another year where if things go poorly closer to the deadline, they just do a heel turn again? 
I, I think the bigger, I, my, my guess is they're probably more of a stand pat. I think it's Steve Eisenman. You can always be caught off guard by a player that he's going to add that you didn't really know. I think the bigger question is if they start to slip, how severely do they sell? Because Patrick Kane, David Perron, Daniel Sprong are all pending UFAs for them. Could kind of flood the market with some interesting forwards there. If, if the Red Wings do take another nosedive, they, they got, you know, they, I thought they actually played very well for two periods in Edmonton last night, but then they give up five in the third and McDavid yeah. does McDavid things. And, you know, they're going to Vancouver tomorrow. Uh, I guess tonight it's Thursday for on the podcast here. Uh, <laughs> and they could lose that game. And then all of a sudden, are you even in your playoff spot still? So um, things can change quick. And if it happens, I think that's, they're a very interesting team because less so of, of what are they going to buy? Although it's possible that they could, uh, but but I think more so because if they get out of it, I think that it adds two to three really interesting potential names that all of a sudden people are going to be talking about. So I do think they're an interesting team. I, I think they belong in that bubble conversation, but maybe more so of of what could happen if they fall out of it than, than the alternative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no uh, Detroit Red Wings. I can't say Red Wings. There's no Red Wings on the trade board, which is kind no, of they're not. interesting and fun. Um, but as you said, maybe things could change there. And Patrick Kane's been very good. I'm not trying to say like Patrick Kane should be a rental at the deadline this year, but he's been, he's been good since he came back from the hip resurfacing. Really good. And, you know, close to a point per game player. Everyone talked about, you know, Oh yeah, but he's going to give it all back defensively. Well, if you look, he's had the puck so much that they really haven't given that back defensively at all. It's, It's actually been pretty tilted in their favor with Patrick Kane on the ice. So uh, I think, you know, Sean did the story on why they thought Patrick Kane could be the uh, kind of the symbol of of this surgery working. And so far all signs are that that looks really promising. So, you know, he's got a no trade clause. It's not like they can just up and decide to trade him. I think he'd have to be involved in any process around that. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to get ahead of the skis here because they are in a playoff spot and they have been really, really good for five weeks now, um, six weeks now. So, you know, but we'll, we'll see what happens. And they've been in and around it for most of the season. I I don't know if there's been a time where the where the team has completely dropped off and has been out of a wild card position. So um, December one of, when Larkin was hurt, yeah. Okay. That, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the teams that interests me too is the Nashville Predators in in the Western Conference. Here we don't need to go too too deep into them. They're only two points out of a wild card spot behind the St. Louis Blues. They have a number of players on the trade boards. Um, but Barry Trotz was on Sportsnet Radio uh, on the Jeff Merrick show specifically uh, before All-Star break. And he he said, I am kind of preparing for, for both in terms of being a buyer and a seller at the deadline. He said um, he was kind of preparing for this year to be more difficult than it was. Like he thought the team was maybe going to be worse than it has been. And was like, if we're at the trade deadline and we're right there, I have no problem adding something to our roster because these guys have done a really good job of keeping us in the hunt. And I'd like to help the group, but also if things go poorly, like we could also see Barry uh, trading off. He was like kind of the GM to watch a free agency. He made a lot of fun moves. And I think Barry Trotz first, deadline as GM could be pretty fun as well. So the Preds are one of those middle teams that I think we're all kind of interested to watch. Um, the Ottawa Senators, they could sell Vladimir Tarasenko, Jacob Chikrin, Dominic Kubelik there on the trade board. I saw a report uh, locally that they're maybe looking at bringing in Matt Dumba. So I think the Sens should be like a, a traditional seller, but if they're going to maybe add Dumba, that kind of throws them into this 
this middle class. It's kind of strange. I don't really know. I think they should just be selling. Um, I think the last team for us to actually talk about, though, is is the Kraken. This is the last one we've been talking for over an hour. Um, we talked about Jordan Eberle. Uh, Alex Wenberg is also on the trade board, but the Kraken are also a team that they're not really in it, but they're not really out either. Only four points back. Do we think the Kraken should just be selling? Or are we still kind of waiting to see? I think that's what I'd do if I were them. I mean, they're one of those teams we mentioned, one of those four that seem like they're kind of vying for that last spot uh, in the West. But Joey Decord's been good enough, I guess, that mm-hmm. to maybe give them some hope that they want to ride that. Oh, God, he saved he saved their season. But if you know, big picture, like you already kind of had the feel good run last year. Now I think you owe it to yourself as kind of a new team to just try and stock up on some of these assets before some of the guys that you pick in the expansion draft uh, can potentially walk for mm-hmm. nothing. And, and Jordan Everly, I think, would be the biggest, you know, to that end, right? And Winberg and Justin Schultz. Yeah. yeah, right. So yeah, we're not just talking about one guy. Like mm-hmm. this, the, the part of the idea behind, you know, what they could do with the expansion draft with without maybe the the picks that Vegas locked into was okay. We'll see what happens with these guys in the years to come. They I would say kind of execute on what looked like from the outside, the, the possible remedy to that. Absolutely. I think the Kraken, again, another one of those middle teams, but maybe we could see them just kind of selling at the trade deadline. And as Sean mentioned, there's more than just Jordan Eberly. but I think we have now traded Eberly to the Oilers and Sean Walker to the stars. Those are the kind of two main ones. Maybe John Gibson to the devils. I think Sean gave Henrique to the Rangers. I forgot about that. Yeah, I Adam forgot Henry about the, the Rangers. Happened. I forgot about Henrik to the Rangers because that happened six hours ago. <laughs> and I'm giving Jake Gensel a blank check for the next three years. I traded Jake Gensel. That's true. <laughs> Not me though. Um, and Chris Tanev will get like three first round picks if. <laughs> that's what I heard. I'm trading. If I'm the GM, uh, we hit 15 teams, guys. Uh, we talked for a little more than an hour, but we wanted to do like a big trade deadline tiers we're less than a month out there'll be more kind of shopping the trade board trade deadline stuff we can get into and and the standings are going to change a lot so we can always revisit uh who has completely fallen off who's going to buy who's going to sell as we get closer to the trade deadline but that's it for this episode of the athletic hockey show uh you know this is the new thursday edition we're much more professional in this new revamped model that's true of the show Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode. Please give us a five-star rating and review if you're enjoying the show. And right now, you can get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. The Prospect Series with Max, Corey Pronman, and Flow Hockey's Chris Peters drops by on Friday uh, at The Athletic and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, 
Join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.